Yo, yo, yo. How the fuck's it going? It's the Wednesday show. It's a solo one. Yeah. It's just me in my cabin. Uh, talking and swearing to myself like some sort of, uh, you know, beery, Toretti bastard. Uh, big week for me. Um, but also for all of us, you know, given it could be the uh, the week that World War Three kicks off. Fucking yay. Go mankind. I think we're really nailing this shit. Um, I thought I would remember this week as a sort of, you know, I don't know, milestone for me. <laughs> You know, first time I've done a TV thing since I was five. It's pretty cool, right? Went on uh, went on Byline TV the other night. Had a chat with Marina Perkis, Femi Oliwale, Gina Miller, uh, Christo... I, right, I'm so sorry if Christo's listening to this. I don't know how to pronounce your surname, man. Uh, is it Falfus? Fufus? I'm just going to call you Christo. Um, anyway, it was good fun. I was indeed shitting myself inside out the entire time. Um, But it's fine. Like, I set myself a goal beforehand. I I was like, you know what? I was on TV when I was five. If I can just get through it this time without pissing my pants and bursting into tears, then really it's sort of, you know, a relative success. That That is the watermark for success for me being on TV. Um, just don't piss yourself and burst into tears. Like, the bar afterwards, on the other hand, I can neither confirm nor deny if that happened. But TV, at least, managed to hold it together. But yes, it was good fun. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of thought that this week might just be that. You know, big week for me. It turns out, might end up being somewhat overshadowed by nuclear fucking war. Uh, you know, I don't know. I imagine myself like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like Sarah Connor in her nightmare, you know, in Terminator 2. Like when, you know, the nuclear blast happens and she's up against that like chain link fence, like holding on to like trying to warn everyone. And then the blast happens and everyone gets incinerated, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, I've just got on TV. Things are actually going, you know, OK with the politics and the content stuff and you know, like that sort of shit now is happening to me. Like where just as everything's going well, <laughs> this nuclear blast will just sweep its way through the country. And as my skin's getting blown off and my eyeballs melt, I'll be screaming like, but it was all going so well. I don't know. And of course, you know, my conscience will no doubt step in at that moment and be like, uh, you know, I mean, your whole thing, Aid, is, uh, is dystopia. You know, and how how shit everything is. So uh, how we're all basically drowning in hopelessness. So like, didn't you just do an episode last week called Everything is Fucked Now Drink With Me? So how how are you disappointed by this? Like, This means that you were right. We were always fucked. <laughs> everything everything was irreparable aid. Shouldn't you be sort of, you know, ironically kind of happy that this is happening? Like you, you were kind of right. And I suppose, you know, I. Yeah, sort of should be, really, you know? You know, if you if you listen to any of my podcasts, you know, if this is your first one, then that's kind of my, my vibe, is everything is kind of fucked, and there really is not an awful lot of hope, at least in my perspective. But if you have listened to episodes before where I've talked about things like, you know, what's going to happen when the oil runs out, <laughs> you will know that, you know, I'm basically running on empty myself here. I'm basically at all times certain we're about to wrap up as a species. <laughs> so having it happen should be kind of validating, I think. If only in the final split second of my life. Just a big, you know, sort of kaboom in the distance. And as the nuclear wave or toxic cloud makes its way to the decrepit cesspit that is Aldershot, Hampshire. 
and people look out of their windows like, oh, my God, it's decimated the town. And they're like their neighbours will go, no, 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 it, it hasn't hit us actually yet. <laughs> it's another, still another three minutes away. Get back inside. This is, this is just how shit the town is. But in those minutes or seconds before it hits us, I should be like, you know, well, at least I knew we were fucked. You know, at least I was right about this. It's going to be like that. Uh, do you know that scene in The Simpsons where I think it's a nuclear bomb or an atomic bomb or something? Atomic bombs are nuclear bombs, aid. Get with it. Um, you know, as the nuclear wave is about to just blast away the comic book shop, you know, like that nerdy, geeky guy, just as it's about to wash him away and radiation and shit like he just goes oh i've wasted my life it's gonna be like that oh at least i was right you know like a lot of people are going to be found curled up with their families aren't they in a sort of you know a last minute embrace with their children or their mum or dad and they're going to find my remains sat in an armchair clutching a guinness with one skeletal thumb up like <laughs> like yeah it feel, feels good to be right actually you know i don't know knowing you were right and dying like that like it's kind of you know it's not a mentally healthy thing to adopt i don't think but it's also it's kind of like the cousin of being wrong and pig-headedly dying from it isn't it it's somewhere in the same neighborhood I think, like refusing to concede that you were wrong to the point that it kills you. You know, like you would rather die than admit that you were wrong about something that I put my girlfriend in that category, frankly. Yes, I will uh, air my dirty, dirty laundry <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend went for a drive. I might have even mentioned this on a different show. I don't know. But we went for a drive to go and see my dad. Uh, it's about a year ago, maybe two years ago, but I'm still clinging on to it because I am petty as fuck. Uh, we were driving to see my dad and we're on a motorway. And it's one of these bits where the motorway breaks off onto a separate sort of, you know, AM road ish thing. So anyway, this dawns on me and I'm like, oh, we need to get into the right hand lane now. Otherwise, we're going to come off onto a separate road. And my girlfriend sort of seeks to correct me. She's like, no, 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 you, you stay in, in the left lane. I'm like all right, I mean, I'm pretty sure that we have to get in the right lane because it's going to break. And she's like, no, 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 no. I know it seems weird, but you do, honestly, trust me, like you, you stay on the left lane. So anyway, we get closer and closer to this junction where it's, you know, the signs are saying, stay on this bit if you want to go. And I'm like, at the last minute, I'm like, no, look, look, we're about to go. So then I, you know, do that thing that people fucking hate where I like emergency sort of, you know, pull over into the right hand lane lest we come off into a different direction. And, um, and so then, you know, I, I didn't rub her face in it or anything. I didn't say like, ah, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? Like, it was no, you know, you shouldn't talk to your partner like that. So I was just like, no, look, we do stay on this bit. Anyway, this was so obvious. It was so black and white. So binary. It's like either I'm right or you're right. And if we had come off at that junction, <laughs> we would have gone in the wrong direction. These are the facts. But I didn't say it like that. I just said like... Yeah, oh, yeah, no, I think, yeah, we do. We, look, I'm going to come off it. And then, like, the five or ten minutes after that were just fascinating. It was just like a watershed moment. It was like, she was like, no, 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 it's, um, I mean, like, actually, like, no, you, you were supposed to sort of stay. Like, she was trying to, <laughs> trying to, like, dig her way out of it. But it was so obvious. It was like, why don't you just say that you got it wrong? And she's like, no, because it's not like it's actually, it's actually like this. And I'm like, no, you were. It's obvious that you were wrong. Just say it. And she could not bring herself to admit that she had told me a inaccurate piece of information through no fault of her own. I wasn't blaming her for it. It's fine to make a mistake. But it was just like, oh, my God. Like, if you can't even admit that you were wrong about something as meaningless as a lane on a motorway with your partner, like, what the fuck else are you going to not admit that you're in the right? Like, how will I know if you were ever in the right? Like, how? where does this leave us? Are we even a couple? Like, what the fuck? My girlfriend is in that category. 
Anyway, where the fuck was I before I went off onto that airing my dirty laundry uh, tangent? Oh, yeah, that's right. So people that refuse, they would rather die than concede that they were wrong about something. Like those guys that, you know, they refuse to wear a mask or get a jab, you know, in the height of the pandemic. And they fucked around and then they get COVID and they die in a hospital ward with an American flag in their hand, like, hey, I own the libs. And you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> Did you? Did you really? Because I think what happened here is you didn't want to be told what to do. You refused to get a jab that was signed off by several doctors who said that it was safe. You didn't want to wear a mask. You got COVID and now you're fucking dead. And your kids are fatherless. Fucking bravo, Hank. This feels a bit like that, you know? This feels like, you know, me dying, but taking some pride in the fact I was right about something to cushion the blow or something, you know, dying, but clinging on to the thing that you thought you were right about. Except in my case, I would have actually been right. God damn it. Anyway, in case you're, you know, living on another planet, which let's face it, would not be a bad look about now. Uh, nuclear war was at very real risk of breaking out last night. It appeared for a moment as though Vladimir Putin had accidentally fired a couple of rockets into Poland. Accidentally. And there was, you know, Sky News updates and I'm on a Skype call with my friends and Sky News are like, Poland are seeking to activate Article 4 of the NATO Treaty. Is it like proper, you know, NATO states assemble? This is it. It is happening. Like, take a seat, pull your pants down, put your head in between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye, guys, because this is the spark in the oil refinery we were all waiting for. This is how it starts. And then it turned out like it's, you know, kind of nothing, you know? Like, Russia said it wasn't them. And now, you know, it's a matter of hours later and people are like, well, you know, we don't know if it came from like. I mean, let's let's be real. When Russia say that something wasn't them, <laughs> does anybody like, you know, they were like, we know it's not ours. Uh, this is a deliberate uh, provocation by NATO. But like, you know. You look at Russia, you listen to their retorts and their dismissals and stuff, and it isn't like the stock response to their response to anything is like, uh-huh, oh, okay, mate, sure, sure. Like, there's so much undiluted horseshit that comes out of the Kremlin. I don't even know why we bother reporting it, frankly. Like, something bad happens, they just deny it. You know? So what value is there to asking them for the comment? What are you actually getting from that interaction? You know, like, it's not even funny anymore. It's like, it's like, you know, imagine this. Here's a scenario for you, dear listeners. Imagine a Russian dissident journalist. He runs a piece with the headline, Why Putin May Not Be the Future of Russia, right? It's a, a critical piece, scrutinising Putin talking about potential challenges or something, what life is going to look like in Russia after Putin, something that Putin would not really appreciate. And anyway, then let's say this happens. We, we get CCTV. It is leaked or it's apprehended or whatever. We get CCTV of the guy getting bundled into a blacked out van and then you see three flashes inside it from the gun blasting him, like obvious assassination. And then Sky News or the BBC would be like, OK, look, listen, Russia... We have footage of you kidnapping and murdering the journalist. You hated this journalist, didn't you? You killed him. Will you admit it? Will you just put out one statement one time where it's not lies and misinformation? Don't treat us like idiots. Please, can you just say it? Just admit it. Please don't take us for fools. You killed the journalist, right? And Russia would just be like, uh, what is a journalist? <laughs> like, just playing so dumb. So insulting, insultingly dumb. 
So when they say, you know, we did not fire a missile into Poland, like how are we supposed to take that with any level of credence when their resume on matters like this include, you know, what, like lying about sightseeing cathedrals, <laughs> you know? Uh, what else? Um, uh, blasting a plane out of the sky. Like, did you shoot the plane out of the sky? No, no, we did not do that. Motherfucker, we found remnants of the Russian missiles in the plane wreckage. No, no, it was not us. It's like, okay, all right. What a, what a meaningful and worthwhile exchange this has been. Like, it reminds me of... Um, I don't know if you guys listen to uh, to other podcasts or if it's just this one, if you're just incredibly loyal and dedicated to me and my cult. But I sometimes listen to true crime podcasts. I suspect I'm not alone in that. And sometimes you get cases that you listen to, you know, they lay out the evidence. Obvious evidence, like for why and how this man killed that woman. Right. Invariably, that's the, you know, it's a guy killing a woman. And the defence is, you know, like, well, yes, okay, you know, maybe his phone was switched off for the three specific hours that the attack took place. And maybe the car that was identical to his was captured on CCTV, inexplicably driving away from the burial site. Maybe the cops did find his specific favourite knife embedded in her head at the murder scene. But but I'm sorry, you still have not proven that it was definitely this guy in that car murdering that woman with his favourite knife. You haven't proven it. Like, And it's like, you know, in order to believe that it wasn't this guy, you would have to believe that someone owning the same car as him had chosen the same knife as was his favourite knife and had screamed like the same phrase that was overheard by four different witnesses and was known to be his favourite phrase. You know, so it's like, what is more likely that this guy with a history of violence towards women whose circumstances match up perfectly with having murdered her or that he is the unluckiest motherfucker in the world. And just that, you know, his phone died that afternoon and a random killer who has the same car with the same cutlery choices just happened to kill the one bitch this guy hates. Like, how unlucky would he have to be for all that shit to line up? Like, what is more likely there? But it's even worse than that, like with Russia, right? It's like it's like the evidence is so damning with these things. Shooting the plane out of the sky. Litvinenko, the Skripals. The evidence is so there. Like, it's more like that guy, like, um, oh, God, I can't remember the trial now. It was, a, it was a while ago. He was he was a chef and he God, this is abhorrent. I apologize. You know, trigger warning here. He was he was a chef and he raped and murdered some poor girl in London. I think it was in Clapham from memory. I don't know. Um, really gross case. It was about 10 or 15 years ago uh, and the police were all over it. Uh, they got the DNA. They found the guy. They arrested and charged him. Such was the level of evidence, right? Absolutely certain this was the guy. And his defence was just laughable. It was just like, right, this is, this is what he came out with. He was like, well, you know, here's the thing, right? I, um, I didn't kill her. Uh, the thing is, she was already dead. Uh, but someone else had raped and murdered her. I, I just saw the body. I just had sex with the body. And it's just, oh, God. Like, obviously, that is gross. Inhuman. You know, just monstrous. Just Ted Bundy League awfulness, right? It was like, hey, 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 I didn't, I didn't kill her. I just happened across the body and decided to have sex with it. And I know it was wrong, you know, in, in, in hindsight now, you know, in my post-coital Return of the senses. I can see. I can see in retrospect that was the wrong thing to do. But I think. I think the key thing here is that you can't prove it was definitely me that originally raped and you know full on murdered her. You can't prove it was definitely like that was his case. And I think he went on to say, or actually no, maybe it was before. 
uh, before he conceded that he'd done all that, uh, he said, like his defence beforehand was that although his DNA was found on the body, that although it was a one in a billion chance that it wasn't him, that that could still happen. <laughs> that was his defence. He was like, like, it's one in a billion, guys. I know that's narrow. I know it feels unlikely, but it could happen. One in a billion. It could be the case that in a world of eight billion, that two people with very, very similar DNA could both live in England and both live in London and in close proximity to each other. And they could both get caught up in the same murder on the same night. That could happen. I, I rest my case. And I, look, I know that's all, you know, quite hard to listen to. It's, that's a dark example. But my point is... Wait, did I have a point? <laughs> what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah, right. So it's like that with Russia. You know, that suspension of probability and belief, you know? Like if you sat down a Russian ambassador or a representative or whatever, you know, you could just go like, look, did you try to murder the Skripals? Did you murder Litvinenko? And they'd be like, no. And you'd be like, well, I mean, look, here's all of the evidence. <laughs> it's all of the evidence. So, I mean, look, you, you say that you didn't, but um, you fucking did, didn't you? That's the thing. You did do it. No, 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 no we, we did not. But, but you did. You cannot prove definitively that our representatives of the Russian state put the polonium in the tea or that Mr. Skripal was poisoned by soldiers from M uh, FSB, <laughs> right? Like, that, is, that is their case. It's like, you can't prove definitively that we did this. Right, but I mean, come on. <laughs> to go back to the original example, right? To believe that the Skripals weren't specifically targeted by Putin, you would have to believe that all the other shit is a coincidence or that Putin was just incredibly unlucky with other events lining up to point the finger squarely at him. Like, that is unlucky, Vlad. That all of these things in purely coincidental fashion, all line up to perfectly point the finger at you. You're having a bad day. But I'd love to sit them down. I'd love to be like, um, OK, well, let's say you didn't kill them. Let's say you didn't put whatever the fuck it was that they gave to the Skripals. Like, what do you think happened to the Skripals? Ask them that. So if it wasn't you guys, what do you think happened to them? They, uh, they ate their bad sandwich. <laughs> and Litvinenko? Also bad sandwich. All right. Okay. Well, that's that case fucking wrapped up. Ocker's razor strikes again. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes simple explanation is the right one. Like, that is what they would come back with. Anyway, so... Even if they say the missiles aren't from Russia, you'll worry that they were, won't you? Like, they've got such a packed resume of bullshit you'll just be like well i mean you say they're not yours but fucking how do we know like and even if poland or the u.s starts saying like actually you know what these could be from the ukrainian forces like these could have come from ukraine you will still shit your fucking pants at what might have happened if someone had been a bit trigger happy here but there's no good ending to this story Either it's Putin playing fast and loose, reckless. The idea that, you know, he might set off World War Three. That could happen. Or we've all kind of jumped the gun a little bit and gone like, this shit was Russia. In which case, anything could fucking happen. People might get defensive, fire their own nukes off. Like, that's what gets me with the Russia invasion Putin shit, right? Like, like it's bad enough that the guy storms into Ukraine ransacks and murders his way through these towns, right? Commandeers the whole district. It's like, you know, you're Russia now. I know yesterday you were, you, you, you were re Ukraine. I can't fucking talk, guys. I only just started this beer. I know yesterday you were Ukraine, but today you are Russia. <laughs> like, ballsy fucking invasion. Like, what are you going to do? That's right, fucking nothing. It's like your dad, you know, taking the last roast potato at Christmas. I'm having this shit. The fuck are you going to do about it? Sit back down. <laughs> because I come from a happy family, clearly. But that is Putin going in there. Like, that's bad enough. The bullying shit. 
Nobody wants that. Least of all a few fucking civil servants around Whitehall right now. But that is the topic for another <laughs> episode. That's bad enough. But the thing that gets me is just, you know, the colossal irresponsibility of, of this. You know, the fact that if, you know, even if the US and the EU and the UK, even if they don't instantly carpet bomb Moscow, right, because technically he's not invading a NATO state, you know, with Ukraine. So even if they even if they nuke Russia, even if they don't nuke Russia, sorry, and the world still feels relatively ish kind of stable, right? The irresponsibility involved is just like, you know, what if, what if something goes wrong, though? Like you can plow your way into Ukraine and the world can kind of stand still and go like the world is watching you, Vlad. Fucking be careful here. But all it would take for this shit to ignite, you know, like what if in in the chaotic theatre of war, you give the wrong coordinates to this guy? Or what if this guy over here is hung over? And makes a mistake or the satellites break down or something fucked happens and your missile skewers off into a neighbouring NATO country. What if you invade Ukraine and the US hold back, right? The US say, like, we don't want to start World War Three. Uh, we won't fire the first nuke. Right. They're standing steady. But, you know, but then... What if you accidentally fire 15 rockets into Poland and blow up a school? What is that going to start? You know, that's what gets me is the level of irresponsibility. Like even in these days of like, you know, AI and surgical precision technology and robot human hunting dogs, like even with all these high tech, highly developed military solutions, you know, Things are still going to fuck up. They just are. Because even like when it's automated and robotic, like someone somewhere is behind the controls. Someone somewhere wrote that code that the automation robotic thing is working from. People look at robots and like human hunting, like bio dogs or like whatever. They're like, wow, that thing's like magic. It knows what it's doing. No, it's just a load of fucking code that some tired, hungover student developer guy is like, oh, I'd be really cool to work for Boston Dynamics this summer. Like, I don't know, man. It just strikes me as like, you know, even when you sideline the war aspects and the terror and the people who have died, like how ridiculously irresponsible is it to take the geopolitical temperature up to such a height where slipping on a banana peel could accidentally spark World War Three? You know, like even in the time that we've been doing this podcast, right, we've gone from what, like Poland about to activate Article 4, NATO assemble. Like, that's what it was earlier. To, like, now it's like, I've got the notifications coming through. It's like, missile strike appears to be unfortunate accident, Poland's president says. Like, that is quite a drop from World War Three down to, well, actually, uh, we, uh, we think this is probably just a silly goof, to be honest. Like... Quite a drop there in a matter of hours. And the level of... I don't want to keep hammering the point home, but, like, what could have happened there at the height of that shit when you thought that Russia was throwing missiles into Poland? What might have happened? And I guess it's not dissimilar to, um, you know, to the argument for gun control, is it, really? Like, you could let everyone in your family have a gun. And then everyone's got a deterrent. Everyone's got protection. But you can't rule out someone's going to make a mistake. Someone's going to get irrational. Circumstances will unfold at some point where your angry, alcoholic uncle is just going to get fed up. <laughs> With you all taking the piss out of him. Out of his, like, fucking failed dream to play 
professionally or so, you know, like that was his dream. He sacrificed his other career and his marriage and holidays and everything to pursue sports. <laughs> and he failed because he's shit. And now every year, every Christmas, you all get together and you take the piss out of him. You know, you offer each other drinks. You know, you're like, oh, uh, Robbie, do, do you want to top up? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Amanda, do, do you want more more wine over there? Yeah. Okay. And then like you pan over to your uncle. You're like, oh, Uncle Dave, uh, do you want a beer or are you training in the morning? Are you, are you training? <laughs> you fucking idiot. And he's like, oh, fuck off. You're like, Santa didn't bring you a pair of mittens to keep your hands warm when you're sitting on the bench. No. <laughs> and then your brother chimes in like, oh, lay off him. Lay off him. It's not too late for him. He's only what? Like, How old are you now, Uncle Dave? I'm 52. He's only 52 fucking years old. It could still happen for him. He might still become a centre forward. It could happen. I mean, it is statistically about as likely as two people with almost identical DNA being in the same town, caught up in the same murder on the same night, both with no alibi. Like a one in two billion chance that it could happen for you, Uncle Dave. But at 52... (laughs) No, he could could definitely still be the next Marcus Rashford, who is about half his age. He could totally be the next... Person who was born, trained, played for Man United and retired from the game before you even scored your first penalty. You could definitely be the next one of those. Dave, you fucking loser. Like you all maul him at Christmas. And finally, irrationally, he just fucking snaps, grabs the gun and shoots everyone. Or, you know, he just leaves the gun lying around and a toddler picks it up and, and someone dies. Or... You know, someone hears something downstairs at 2am and they grab the gun. And because, you know, a burglar sees the gun, they feel more threatened. So they grab a crowbar and wrap it around that person. Somebody else died, right? So I know it's a roundabout, drawn out example. But, you know, you get my point, I'm sure. It's the same as the instability of the current geopolitical arena, right? Everyone's just gallivanting around with their nukes and guns and missiles and tanks and artillery. And all it's going to fucking take is a little bit of fuckery and someone's going to snap. Or someone's going to overlook something or put something down in the wrong place. You know, someone's going to leave a bottle of vodka next to the alcoholic drone pilot over here. And he'll get hammered and slump over the gear stick or something. He'll go into the wrong place, you know, and the shit will pop off. And the US will then, you know, rightly or wrongly, assume it was done with malice and act accordingly and fire back, you know? Like my mates, sometimes they're like, oh shit, man, you know, could be World War Three. Could be World War Three kicking off. Are you worried, Aid? You're into politics. Are you are you worried Putin might be, you know, unhinged and nuke us? I'm like, no, no, like. I actually think he'd have to be pretty stupid to do that. You know, he would fire one nuke and we would fire 10 back. And, it, you know, it's mutually assured destruction is what they call it. I think it's way more likely that something like this shit will spark it. <laughs> It'll be a silly mistake. You know, an almost ad hoc random event that will kick it all off. And the most frightening part about that is there's very little you can do about it. You can't say, you know, well, I really hope a random event doesn't happen. Like, you fucking idiot. They're random. How, how would you even hope to police that? What else is going on? Well, we still have some time. Trump formally announced his candidacy for the Republican nomination. That's interesting. It's difficult to tell where that's headed, isn't it, dear listeners? A week ago, I mean, like we were, I say we were, I'm not going to pull you all into my prediction and politics shame. But a week ago, I was certain the Republicans were going to wipe the floor with Biden's Democrats. Trump Jr. tweeted out, I think as the votes were being cast or counted or whatever, he tweeted out like, bloodbath you know such was his certainty they were going to wipe the floor 
And the pollsters, by the way, were also saying Republicans were going to, you know, the red wave was going to happen. And it didn't happen. And since then, there's been a shit ton of, you know, pundity analysis stuff coming out like, um, you know, like uh, almost every single Trumpster candidate lost all of the election denying, you know, anti-vax, QAnon light, all of those guys, they all lost. While Ron DeSantis in Florida won bigly. And it sort of kind of, you know, paints a picture, doesn't it, of a Republican Party that's ready to move on. Like, I mean, no one's no one's coming out and saying shit really just yet. You know, nobody's actually come out on record saying like, fuck Donnie, dude's a waste man. You know, nobody's actually calling this what it is, which is a, you know, what fucking 76 year old guy, you know, nearing 80. Who appears to be responsible for the January the 6th riots in which six fucking people died. Nobody fucking mentions that anymore. Six people died that day. Nobody's talking about like in Republican circles about, you know, how he tried to sabotage his own democracy, how he continues to fuel election denialism. Right. They're all just keeping stum. Nobody's actually saying that shit within the Republican Party. Like, you know, clearly this shit is voter kryptonite. People don't like it, guys. We have to sober the fuck up, fellas. Take it down a notch. Stop with the Republican Talibanism, maybe. The abortion banning, the talk of reuniting church and state, the QAnon messiah nonsense. Guys, come on, guys, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe the indoctrination, the radicalism, the goddy support Trump at all costs, Trump or bust. Maybe all that shit just needs to go. (laughs) Nobody's saying that shit yet. And we need to just, you know... Regain clear thought here for a minute, fellas, you know, low tax, small government, a bit of godiness. Sure, you know, because it's still America, right? A bit of the goddy shit. That's fine. You're never going to fully re-educate these people into the reality, you know, away from their fairy tale. You're never going to educate these people into the sad, crushing truth that there is no God. There is no master plan for you. (laughs) There is no plan that makes sense of the fact that your life is just suffering. There's no explanation for why you have to live on welfare in a trailer park, getting robbed of every cent. And all you get in return (laughs) is just like, you know, some guy reading out a psalm from the Bible. Like, live humble. If you live humble, Cletus. The Lord will find a place for you in heaven. (laughs) That's all they get in return for this meager, humble existence. The Lord loves a humble child. Does does he? Oh, amazing. So there's a place for me up in the sky. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, from billionaires and congressmen who then shut the door on them. Like, (laughs) I told them to live humble again. Anyway, where's, where's my ivory MacBook and suite at the Hilton and uh, trays of cocaine and a harem of especially shipped-in prostitutes? Where is they? <laughs> you live humble. I'll, I'll live how I live. Like, there are some people who will just look at Republicans and Republican-supporting billionaires and rich TV evangelists and go, yeah, that's their place over there, and this is mine, and it's all God's plan. It's all in his master plan. It all makes sense somehow. I should just sit here and eat my own shit. Like, there are people like that. <laughs> just accept, like, that's right, Cletus. You you just sit here in your trailer park and pay your high taxes, and uh, I'll, I'll go and live in my mansion. But, 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 but while I have you, while I have you, Cletus, do you have another $20 that you could put in the collection trades for Pastor Williams? Another $20, if you would. And these people will be like, absolutely for you. I love Pastor Williams. It's my last $20. Here you go. Like, those people you are never going to convince. <laughs> You're never going to convince that type of person that maybe it's time to dial it down a bit. But you could convince whole swathes of the rest of the Republican Party. I'm positive. There are some who are unsavable, but 
others you could convince. Just tell them to take it down a notch. Get off the fucking Trump train. It's time to wake up. Put down the Kool-Aid, please. Like, I'd love to have a conversation with one of them. One of these Republicans who used to be sane. Maybe not the super, super gaudy types. One of the formerly sane American conservatives with a small C. I'd love to just sit down with them, you know, and just be like, you know, well, what would he be called? Hank, Buck, something like that. I'd be like, listen, Buck, man, here's what you do, right? Come over here. Come, 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 come. Here's what you do. You take these keys. Okay. You go to my car. Take my car. Go around the corner. You know where the, like, the pharmacy is? It's just next to the car. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. Get yourself some Nurofen and Barocca. Okay. And right. Just take your time. Just lay down. But it is time to wake up and sober up from this shit. Like, I'd love to have that conversation. Do you think that could happen? Like, if you had been drunk on Trump for the last six years, if you've been a happy passenger on the Trump train, high on Donnie for half a decade, radicalised as fuck, nothing can replace him. He is your guy. Do you think if Trump doesn't then get the nomination and sort of fades into obscurity, do you think these guys will... You know, do you think the bucks of the world, the bucks of America, do you think they'll sort of, you know, come to? <laughs> like you or I would after a messy weekend, right? <laughs> do you think if he loses it, right, and DeSantis gets the nomination, Trumpism sort of fades out? Do you think there'll be people in Texas who wake up from it, you know, kind of hung over? <laughs> gradually get back to normal you know and then oh this would be wild like if they look back on january the 6th and shit like you or i would if we were shown the karaoke video from the night before you know like buck looking at it or like you know trish looking at the video like oh my god i was doing what i said what (laughs) i don't even remember being in dc like how did i get there even you show them footage of them you know marching through the foyer of the Capitol building. (laughs) This is you. Like, this was you when you were... You turn up the volume and it's them screaming, Burn Pelosi! Burn! Burn Pelosi! Burn! Hang Mike Pence! Hang Mike Pence! You know, they're looking at your phone. They're mortified at seeing their behaviour when they were high on Trump. (laughs) And you're just like, yeah, I mean, like, we we tried to talk you down. (laughs) You just kept going on and on about how America would only be free or like, you know, at liberty from tyranny if Trump was installed as permanent authoritarian dictator. I mean, it was it was really something, Trish. And then they'd see, you know, footage of some CNN guy interviewing them, you know, asking them, just going like, is there anything that Donald Trump could do that would make you not vote for him? And Trish is now watching the footage of her answering that question to the guy on CNN. (laughs) And it's footage of her like and she's like, no, no, um, no exaggeration, uh, no joke. I would let Donald J. Trump shoot my father in the head and I would still go out and vote for him. And she's like watching this shit. And her reaction to it would be the same as your reaction if I showed you the video of you singing Black Velvet at 1am in the karaoke bar. (laughs) She'd see herself saying that and she'd be like, oh my God, how many people have seen this? Oh, loads. Absolute fucking tons. It's been on Snapchat for 12 hours. It's insane. Just Trish with this molar shattering cringe. Like, oh my God. (laughs) Coming to, coming down from your half decade high on Trump. I don't know, man. Do any of you, dear listeners, do you think he'll actually go through with it? Do you think that's likely? I don't know if it is. I mean, I can't believe that his advisors think he's onto a winner here. Like, if you look at the components of this, right... Look at the, like the, the sort of nuts and bolts, the succession of lawsuits 
one of which has got to successfully prosecute him, surely. The bad polling. The fact his brand of conservatism has just been roundly rejected again. <laughs> like again, bro. Like 2016 in the popular vote, 2020 at the, you know, full on US election. Now again at the midterms. Murdoch has turned on him. The New York Post, the fucking Wall Street Journal, Fox News pulling him apart. Like, like in what fucked up political fiction section do those components form the foundations of a political success story? <laughs> Name one. How is that set up for success? So I can't imagine anyone is telling him, like, to go for it. It is literally just him, I think. Or maybe like a few like opportunists who want to sell a book in three years. Like my ride on the Trump trade, you know, like maybe it's, you know, his kids are telling him. Because they have something to gain out of this, I think. Keeping the Trump name alive without his presidency run. They're kind of irrelevant, right? They're on the scrap heap. I mean... Don Jr. is just, like, isn't he the most obnoxious, charmless sack of shit you could imagine? Isn't he? Isn't he just the perfect sort of cliche, silver spoon, nepotism, beneficiary cunt? I mean, he just, he's like a mini-me of Donald Trump, right? And the ego and the need for the limelight. And it's just like, like, whenever I see him, I'm always like struck by this sort of, you know, this cruel, tragic irony with him. Like he's got his father's ego. This need to be noticed. And then this, you know, this obnoxious, combative nature to him. And yet, what are the odds that he achieves a stature in life that in any way justifies that sort of ego? You know? Like, if you're David Bowie or fucking Kofi Annan and you developed an ego, there'd be a part of me that's like, yeah, OK, fine. <laughs> you know, like, you've, you've done some amazing shit. So now, you know, it's OK for you to take sufficient pride in that and behave in a certain way. Don't be a prick, obviously, but you would maybe cut them some slack. But what are the odds that Don Jr. achieves anything? to match the kind of ego that he obviously has and has had encouraged within him by his father. What are the fucking odds? Like, it's like, you know, imagine thinking you're the dog's bollocks. You're amazing. People should bat their lashes and slip off a bar stool whenever you walk in the room. <laughs> like, that's Don Jr. over there? Oh, my God. Could you, please come, come and talk to me, Don. Come, come, will you sign my boob? Oh, my God, you're amazing. Every time he walks in a room or slurs on a Skype, people are like, oh, my God, you're incredible. Imagine having that ego that you need that level of adulation, that you think you're that amazing, right? And then juxtapose that with the fact that the likelihood is his biggest claim to fame, his highest achievement is likely to be as a bit part character in biographies written by other people entirely about his dad. Not him, about his dad. And he's not he's not the protagonist. He's just a bit part fucking extra. That is the height of what he is likely to achieve and yet has that ego. You know, like it's almost fucking Shakespearean, isn't it? The son who craves adulation, ambition to the cost of everyone else. Completely unaware of where he actually sits in, in the global pecking order, right? And he'll never know the real actual feeling of the validation that he craves, right? Because he'll never breach the perimeter of that achievement to get the validation. Instead, he'll just, you know, sort of, um, you know, sit aimlessly, bobbing up and down, 
in a harbour of his father's unfortunate shitty chaos, for, for want of a better metaphor. Guys, that's all I've got time for. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Indeed, I hope that you are enjoying uh, all of the episodes of the podcast. In fact, if you are, maybe consider jumping on the Patreon. Uh, there's a bunch of benefits to doing so. Uh, first off, if you join the £3 tier, it's just really sort of a doff of the cap to me to say, you know, thanks for the podcast aid. I'm really enjoying it. Thanks for the effort that you put in. Uh, because they are a bit of work to plan and prep for and, uh, and book guests and so on. Um, there's a five pound tier, which obviously gets you the invites to the live events and shit of which we are in the middle of uh, organizing one myself, Super Tansky and another gentleman you may uh, be aware of. Uh, his name's Danny fucking Price. Uh, he's massive on Instagram, uh, political content also. And the three of us are looking to put on a live show in February. Uh, I can't tell you the, the venue or the exact date yet because we're just firming that up with the venue right now. Uh, but as soon as it becomes live, I'm putting that on Patreon first to give these guys a heads up. Um, so if you jump on on the £5 tier, uh, you'll get exclusive access to that and the other meetups. Uh, you also get an RSS feed, which means you can plumb episodes of the podcast into your podcast player, listen to it normally, uh, but you get the episodes two days ahead of everyone else. So if you like your podcasts topical and instant you get them two days ahead of everybody else. You also get credited. Ooh. You get credited at the end of the podcast uh, or named and shamed, depending on how, depending on who, you, who you're bragging to. Uh, if you're talking to your mum, strong chance she may see this as named and shamed. If you're talking to your mates who are all politically aware, they might be like, yeah, OK, that's pretty cool. Um Speaking of which, let me just quickly run through the Patreons now and say a massive thanks to you guys uh, for your continued support. You make it all worthwhile. Um, so big shout outs to Anthony Pingu, uh, David, Alex, Aaron, Chris and Ricardo. And then the second batch, Silent, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah, Paul and Kerry. Thank you so much to all of you guys. I'm not kidding. You do make it all worthwhile. Oh, fuck. I almost forgot the last thing. We all ha have like a Discord chat also. So if you jump on the uh, the Patreon, you get the invite into the Discord chat where we just, you know, talk shit about Tories and uh, share a few memes and stuff. So that's there too. Uh, for £10 a month is the final tier, like the big tier, which nobody really needs to jump on. But if you did really want to show some love, that is there. And there are a couple of other people on there. Um, and I'm about to actually uh, coordinate the first this is quite cool the first skype call with the 10 pound subscribers uh, so if you jump on the top tier and pay 10 pounds a month which as i say there's no expectation on my part that you should go on that five pounds is fine three pounds is nice um but if you did do, I'm going to do a monthly Skype call with the £10 subscribers and we can talk about anything you like. You can get my thoughts on the day's news or uh, what I think is going to happen in the next few months. Or we can just talk shit about whatever. Uh, it's basically your chance to have a beer with me. And it's a thank you from me to you for being so, so supportive. Um, that's it from me. I'll be back on Friday night with a guested show and then back next Wednesday with another solo one. Until next time, keep yourself safe. And uh, yeah, that's it. We outie.